From our local high schools to the pros, the Dallas Morning News has got North Texas sports covered, and it's more than just the scores. From all the off-season moves to in-season adjustments and maybe even postseason glory, the DMN has got the inside scoop on your favorite teams, players, and coaches. You can follow every goal, save, bucket, and touchdown as the Dallas Morning News delivers real local sports journalism from the press box and locker room straight to your inbox. As soon as the podcast is over, head to dallasnews.com sports to see what Brad Townsend, Callie Kaplan, and the rest of the DMN gang has for you there. Hello and welcome to Mavs Daily, where every time we record an episode, we are talking about a question, event, news, or trend having to do with the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Bobby Crello. I'm from Mavs Digital. Joining me today for the first optimistic podcast in a long time. Things are looking up, Isaac. It's Isaac Harris. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. And I'm doing great because we're getting some guys back in Utah. Let's go. Welcome back to Dorian Finney-Smith. And Josh Richardson, Dwight Powell is such a bright um, sight. I don't know. That's probably a weird wording of that. Just to see those guys on the bench the other night, see those guys cheering the team on. Uh, I know it, it was good for us to see them on the bench. Like I felt like we hadn't seen them in a while. Walked in the arena, saw Dwight shooting, you know, warming up before the game. Like this is a, a great sign and uh, much needed reinforcements coming in for the Mavs. I've always said Utah is a bad city, but it is going to be a little better tomorrow. I guess tonight, if we can see uh, Josh Richardson, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Dwight Powell out there, listed tentatively in the Mavs game notes, which isn't always, you know, correct. Sometimes things change. Do you uh, write those, Bobby? We need up? to know. Do you write the game notes? We need to know. I don't. I do not write the game notes. If I did, they would be wrong all the time. <laughs> Everything in there would be wrong. Uh, but Richardson and Finney-Smith are listed as starters, and so we're going to get our first look. I know that. The Mavs have played 17 games now. But tonight, if those guys do play, Isaac, we are going to get our first look at Porzingis at five with Doncic, Richardson, Hardaway, and Dorian Finney-Smith. It will be the first second that those guys play together on the floor. The Mavs this season have one lineup that has played at least 50 minutes. Oh, gosh. 101 other five-man combinations from throughout the league have played at least 50 minutes. The Mavs have one. Their second most used lineup has played 28 minutes, and it includes Trey Burke and Willie Cauley-Stein. This season has been so inconsistent and unpredictable and not what we planned, and it feels like, you know, Maxi Kleba is still out, and, and, you know, I don't know what his timeline is looking like. Hopefully he's doing better, but it's looking like now that February starts in like a day <laughs> that we're finally going to get to see the 2021 Mavs. That's a, I mean, it's such a weird spot to you know be in, especially just, you know, covering the team because, you know, just from a, you know, local angle, even national angle, like we're still hearing from a national angle, national people are like, Oh, you know, jury's still out on Dallas. Don't know what to say about him because, and you know, and we're, how many games are we in right now? 17, something like that. Uh, or no, not even that, but, it's just it's just wild that we still can't formulate <clears throat> I get that it's frustrating I, I get as a fan that you know coming out of that Denver game it's frustrating because we felt like you know Dallas had a chance to win that game especially after you know Murray getting ejected and, and all of that and then Tim Hardaway went nuts and it was just uh, it was insane but it's just I get the frustration on that but I'm still setting in a spot 
you know, how many weeks into the season of saying, I can't formulate a huge opinion on the team right now because we haven't seen those guys. And like you said, not a single second of that lineup, and even going a step further. I mean, I, I felt like, you know, going into the season, a lot of, a lot of people thought that the, you know, the top three players on the team, however you want to interchange Tim Hardaway and Josh Richardson, but let's just say Jay Rich is you know, there at that third spot, Luca KP, Josh Richardson, zero minutes together. <laughs> I mean, we haven't seen that at all. And that's even before the season. I mean, we have to remember KP wasn't there in the preseason or to start the season. And then bam, once he <clears throat> basically started playing, then, you know, these guys went out. So there's still so much like unknown with this team and the ceiling of this team. We don't even know how high it is yet because we don't like, we haven't seen these guys play. So uh, that's the, that's the exciting thing about the Mavericks going forward that, you know, there's some other fan bases out there probably looking at their team saying, man, they're frustrated or like, man, where, where do we turn from here? If you're frustrated as a Mavs fan right now, there's so much stuff that, you know, so many players in different combinations, closing lineups, starting lineups that we haven't even seen yet that that's, that's the encouragement moving forward. Yeah, it's been nine games missed apiece for Josh Richardson and Dorian Finney-Smith. They have not played since the Mavs beat the Nuggets in overtime. That was back on like January 6th, I think. January 7th. That's a long time ago. Yeah. And then Dwight Powell played one more game after that. He played whenever the Mavs, I think, beat the Horn- the Magic, right, on a Saturday night. Yeah. Powell played in that game. He has not played since then. He's missed eight games. So those three combined have missed 26 games. Maxi Kleba has missed eight games and counting. Kleba in the lineup with Porzingis is something that I want to see at some point, and I think the Mavs oh, might yeah. mess around with that at some point as well. But – um you know, I, I know that it's we're we're on the internet, and so it's not cool to like Dwight Powell around here. But you know, Willie Colley Stein was sensational early on in the in the season, like whenever he was coming off the bench, and then early on as a starter. But these last eight games without Powell, he's had to play like thirty minutes a game, thirty five minutes in some of these games. I mean, he he's getting up there, and that's just something he hasn't done really throughout his career. Yeah, and uh, you know, we saw against Denver. He was having a hard time with Jokic, as everybody does. And then Boban came in, and, and Boban played about three minutes, and, and Jokic went at him a couple times. And, you know, the Mavs had to adjust because they weren't able to keep up. And so just having this depth, having more options, having guys come back, um, and also really the, the greatest trick, Isaac, that Dwight Powell ever played on us was working so hard to get so good at finishing lobs and finishing stuff at the rim from every angle that he tricked us all into thinking that it was easy. And so now we're seeing someone like Willie come in who's shooting, I don't know what he's shooting from the field, like 50, 55% this season. Respectable number, honestly. Respectable number for a big man. But he's not shooting 80% in the restricted area like Dwight Powell has for the last like three years. And so it's yeah. really one of those things where hopefully people don't know. I know you don't know what you got till it's gone, but seeing them without Powell has really kind of opened my eyes at least to like, geez, rolling is hard. I mean, remember whenever... The Mavs traded for Nerlens during that 16-17 season. He was going through a time where he was just having a hard time finding the rhythm in the pick and roll, and he was missing lob dunks and stuff. I mean, it's harder than it looks, you know? Yeah. I know it's just a layup. But anyway, long-winded way of saying depth, more options is great. Fewer minutes for guys. Like, instead of playing 30 minutes, Willie can play, like, 18 minutes and just go hard as crap for 18 minutes yeah. and uh, fly around like a maniac. And, you know, you can go, like – big uh big with Porzingis at the four or you can go small with Porzingis at the five uh you just have more options with the wings coming back it allows you to do that too I don't know it's just it's it's good all around it's good all around 
Well, it's what it's kind of like we we talked about a, a little bit the other day, and <laughs> I mean whether this analogy works or not, I threw out there the spare tire analogy. It's like, hey, you you know when you put the spare tire on your car after a flat, like you you put it on there for a temporary amount of time, like you have to go get a, a new tire after that. And I think that's been where Dallas has been over the past, you know, what three or four weeks. That you know, kind of like Willie, kind of the same with James Johnson. I love James Johnson on this team. I've been very adamant about that, and but. James Johnson playing 30, 31 minutes, that's probably not ideal for this team. You know, it's probably ideal, kind of like the same for Willie, you know, to hover in that 15 minutes to 20 minutes a game, somewhere like that off the bench. You know, if that, like, that's they have so many guys that we don't even know what the rotation is going to – that's the thing. It's like it's going to be so weird for a lot of us because we're, we're used to seeing a lot of these guys play right now, and then, bam, once all these guys come back, we might not see hardly any of these guys play. I mean, just look at Denver. Josh Green didn't even play against Denver, and like I, we've been used to seeing him on the floor, flying around on the floor, so I think that will be something that they'll have, you know, they'll have to figure out what works, what doesn't. In a way, we're going to, I mean, whether we like this or not, we're probably going to see a little bit of like preseason stuff on the fly. They're, they're going to have to try out lineups. What does Maxi and KP and KP look like right now? What does, you know, yeah. I mean, you insert whoever KP and Dwight Powell and Josh Richardson with Tim or Richardson with Dorian and all these different combinations. We have to get these guys on the court and it's going to take a little bit of time. And, you know, even with, you know, these guys coming back, I think we have to be very adamant that, we have to proceed with caution on the with the expectations for these guys. They haven't played in a long time. They might we don't know what their minutes look like, you know, tonight in Utah and the, and the next game in Utah. It's going to probably take them a little bit of time to uh, get their legs back and we don't know how COVID's going to affect their bodies and everything. So, uh, I don't want everybody to freak out if, you know, some of these guys really struggling shooting the ball or defensively or something. We have to, you know, show some grace with these guys as they come back. Yeah, especially like what you were talking about with the minutes. I mean, COVID is a, a virus that <laughs> attacks your lungs, you know, and Utah is at altitude. And so, you know, these guys are, even if they were asymptomatic, which I think some of them might have been, they, but others others of them have gotten sick. Um, you know, I don't know what kind of condition they're going to be in. Maybe they play six minutes and then they're done. <laughs> Maybe they could play 20. I mean, I, I have no idea. So it is going to be very preseasony, kind of like what you were saying. I, I I agree with you there. Um, okay. So one of the things that Rick did on opening night against Phoenix was, you know, the whole team was sort of struggling that night. They got off to a really sloppy start in the first quarter, first half, very low scoring, and then all of a sudden Jalen Brunson just like went supernova in the fourth quarter, and Rick hung with him for the for the rest of the game. Yeah. So he just kind of rode the hot hand. And really, since all these guys have gone out, he hasn't had the freedom to ride the hot hand. He's just having to ride hands, whether they're hot, cold, or room temperature. It doesn't matter. Like, oh, you're a warm body? Get on the floor, you know. Yeah. Uh, but now he can kind of do that, at least when it comes to closing. Starting, I think, is going to be a matchup-dependent thing. Um, like against Utah, they play Boyan Bogdanovich and Royce O'Neal in the front court, and so you can go small, play you know Hardaway, Finney Smith. You don't have to play a big man like Colley Stein or, or Powell or Boban or someone. But I'm curious, Isaac, uh, something that KP has talked about quite a bit, and now that the Mavs are getting one big and two wings back, it could come to the fore again, is KP playing power forward versus playing center. And, um, you know, it's a small sample size, but the two games that he played center, he was really good, and then he moved to power forward for Denver and really struggled. And sometimes that could just be like, oh, well, some of his shots went in. And against Denver, some of those shots didn't go in. 
But there is a kind of a difference in terms of his level of like involvement in the offense whenever he's center versus power forward because he's going to be setting more screens, rolling, popping, all that stuff. He, he talks about this all the time, and he's yeah. a really great quote. If you've never really paid attention to his interviews, I recommend you do because he's awesome. But what's the deal with that? Where Where is your head at on that? Obviously, KP enjoys playing the five. I think that you know the Mavs need to convince him to enjoy playing the four too. <laughs> But uh, do you think that, assuming relative health and everything, from January 27th until May 30th or whenever the season ends, will he play more of his minutes at center or power forward, or will it be a pretty even split? What do you think? Man, that's the question. I think in a way, I think, you know, in my opinion, I think Dallas probably wants to, you know, view it as like the death line for for Golden State back in the day, Uh, you know something that you don't trot out every single night. You don't trot out for every single matchup, but you know, it's like the ACE in your hand that you're just waiting, you know, that, you know, you can play. Uh, I think it's something we'll see a lot, especially come playoff time, but the wear and tear during the season, will we see that just as much or will we see that on an everyday basis? That's, that's the question because you said it. KP has been so open about this. I mean, he had that. Not like in a toxic way, by the way, just like straight up, like, it's easier to find my rhythm. I mean, it, it, that's that's exactly how he says it. it's very. I love fact. it. Yeah, for, and from a media aspect, this is what we want all the time. It's like we want to hear honest answers, and so I loved it. You know, I think he was talking to Harp after one of the games. Uh, you know, a while back they won a game, and they asked him straight up just about him playing the five. I think it was the second game that he played the five, and he was yeah he was open. He said yeah I, I love playing the five. I, you know, it, it brings there's so much it, there's a difference, especially in Rick's offense of playing that four, playing the five. When he's playing the five, he has that freedom to kind of choose. Does he want to, you know, roll to the basket? Does he want to, you know, pop out? And when you're the, when he's the five with that, then you know there's spacing and stuff out there. When you have another five out there, like a Willie or Dwight, then it does kind of, you know, crowd the lane a little bit. You know, if he he doesn't, it kind of takes the options away for him. But there's also the defensive side of the ball too. It's like, all right, if you go against some of these matchups that have two bigs or have just a bigger you know center in general, do you want to throw KP down there against a Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic or you enter whoever it is? Do you want KP doing that on the defensive end? I think that's the thing. You see the difference of you know when Maxi, you know when Maxi plays. Going back to so okay, I, going back to the last time they played Utah. Uh, one, the last time I played Utah in the bubble was uh, the starting lineup for Dallas was just wild to think about. It was like JJ, Seth Curry, Justin Jackson, Boban, and I think Tim Hardaway started that I game. I miss those days. <laughs> those days where like four of those guys aren't even on the team anymore. But you go back to earlier in the season to where Dallas played Utah earlier in the season. KP started at the five, Maxi started at the four. And you kind of had this, you know, scenario where he was kind of pulling, you know, Gobert out from the rim a little bit. KP had 28, I think 28 in the game. I actually had it pulled up. Yeah, he had 28 in the game. Tim at 33. But that's the I, I'm I'm looking forward to the, the KP, you know, Maxi combo. But for 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 KP five versus four, I think he's more comfortable with the five. He said that. I think offensively it suits him, you know, really really well. Is that something that Dallas wants to throw out every single night? Do they want the wear and tear defensively? You know, KP at the five. Uh, I don't know. That that's Rick gets paid the big bucks for that. And it's finding the balance too. I mean, you know, who knows if this will be an issue every game? But if you go smaller, it means that the four other guys better 
bust their butt rebounding, you know, and, yeah. and that has been that has been at times an issue for them this season. Not every single game, and not even for entire games whenever it's been bad, but there have been several times in games where it's like, okay, just get a rebound, and you know they've they've struggled to come up with it. So Utah number one in rebounding, by the way, too right now. Are they really? Yeah. How is that Co- even possible? According to Basketball Reference, they're number one, forty nine rebounds a game. Oh, so just just total. Yeah, yeah, just total. Well, okay. yeah, well, yeah, per huh. game. But. I wonder, I mean, because they play like, okay, so Utah, now Bogdanovich has missed some time, and so without him, I wonder what their lineup was. I guess they they were starting Ingles maybe, but they start Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Royce O'Neal, and now they're all very, you know, they're that's a pretty small one through four. Yeah. I think O'Neal is like 6'7", maybe, and, and Bogdanovich is like 6'6". Six, six. That's yeah. their front court. And uh, you know, Gobert of course is seven two. He's a he's a giant and he's a very good rebounder on both both ends of the floor. Uh but they do bring Derek Favors off the bench and Ingles is kind of a bigger guy. So yeah, I mean I guess that they can they can pound you a little bit. And Utah takes a lot of threes, which means there's gonna be a lot of wayward bounces off the rim and, and that's where the Mavs have kind of I feel like struggled the most is it seems like a lot of bad bounces yeah. like go to the other team like almost every time you know and uh so so that's like positioning and and you know boxing out that's where that really matters the stuff right around the rim is truly just like who wants it more the old cliche thing but whenever it's like someone misses far rim and it takes some nasty bounce that's really where it's like okay did you box out your man or not because we're gonna find out here in about half a second (laughs) yeah uh, because they're gonna get another another shot at the rim Another thing, Isaac, is Utah shoots a lot of threes, and they shoot them well. They're shooting above 40% from three this season, which is just disgusting. Um, Number two, <laughs> they're very two good. The and the Mavs, the last four or five games, have had some issues defending the three-point line. Uh, maybe not even defending the three-point line. The other teams have just been making shots. That's the, that's the tricky thing about all of it with me is like, okay, yes, it's easy to make shots whenever you're open, but also like almost every three that every team takes is an open shot, either yeah, open or ben wide Simmons. open. What's up? Tell that to Ben Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the goal, every every team in the NBA, except for two this season, are attempting at least 33s per game. And I think every single team, at least half of their catch and shoot threes, every single team except for I think two, which are both like 48%. So almost every single team is taking more than half of their catch and shoot threes are unguarded. So like, wow, you know we're we're not every single team only takes open threes. This is what they do. So you're gonna give up a lot of them. Now Utah's knocking them down, and so uh, you know they can run it up on you quick. They're rolling right now. It's gonna be a tough game. Uh, how do how do the Mavs win? I think getting Richardson back helps them against Donovan Mitchell, who's just a, a beast. Oh, yeah. Um. But uh, and I know that you've you've loved him since his days at Louisville. Um, but yeah, I mean, how how do they how do they take down the the Titanic Jazz? Yeah, I mean, they're you know we're recording this as they're playing uh, what the Knicks and stuff right now. I think the Knicks were up at halftime the last time I checked. But you know, if they win that game, I think I could be wrong, but it could be their ninth game in a row that they've they've won. Uh, they're on a roll. I mean, they're third in the West right now. But I think. It, obviously outside of like welcoming those guys back we should see kp at the five i mean with them starting bogdanovich at the four uh, royce o'neill i was looking at their rebounds a little bit ago royce o'neill averaging 6.6 rebounds a game that's 
that's big for them, you know, and favors six rebounds off the bench a game. So anyway, they have some guys who, uh, who like to rebound, but I think we'll see KP at the five. I think we'll see KP, you know, stretch, you know, try to stretch, go bear away from the basket. You know, what does the, you know, you know, thing with Dallas over, you said inconsistent or the, yeah, not inconsistent, but we haven't had the consistency, you know, with all the guys, you know, being gone and stuff, but we've also just seen the offense look funky at times because we don't have these guys. We see, you know, Dallas have had to, you know, in, in a way it's good. It's like, how do you find the balance of scoring in the paint, but also shooting the threes too. It's like, you look at the three point totals for Dallas over the past few games. You know, I, I think the, you know, um, two nights ago against Denver, they only attempted, I say only, but 32 threes, you know, a, a few games before that, they had like 26 threes and stuff. It's like, we're used to last year. They're launching, you know, 41 a game. But, you know, they're scoring more in the paint. How do you find – is that a result of the player personnel out there that you might not trust some of those guys that, you know, their percentages of what they're shooting from three? So you're having to score more in the paint. Uh, you're trying to get Lucas some post-ups, which Lucas post-up numbers are really, really good, by the way. They're very nice. <laughs> um, but, but, no, it, it's just – that's the stuff that we're still waiting to see. What does this offense look like when everybody is out there? It, you almost—I don't want to say you have to throw out some numbers, you know, before these guys come back. But it, once these guys come back, I think we'll see, you know, kind of the offense look a little bit more like what we're used to seeing last year. And so against Utah, what do they have to do to win? You know, hopefully these guys, you know, come in and you know Jay Rich and, and Dorian, especially assuming that they both start with KP at the five and that they knock down some threes and, you know, we have more spacing. KP has a little bit more space with that. So I'm excited for it. I, I'm really excited to see these guys back on the court. Yeah. I mean, you got to get some stops. You got to make some shots and hopefully these new guys, well, not new guys, but it feels like they're new because it's been so long since they've been out there. All of them can come in hopefully with some fresh legs, maybe make some shots, inspire some confidence, you know, spark some energy in this team because that's just the way they need. They just need a pick-me-up, dude. Like, yes. we said this last week, the thing they need most of all is a week off, and they, they, they're they not going to get that <laughs> anytime yeah. soon. So, in the meantime, you just got to keep trucking along. And, um, you know, that third quarter was good for them, and maybe that little talk they had after the game will be good for them too. But, uh, but yeah, we got to we gotta see. We got to see what happens. So, we can only talk about it for so long. Uh, the game is going to be tonight. We'll be watching. Obviously, it's going to be a late one because uh, Utah's on that mountain time uh, grind. So, uh, you know, maybe take your take your pregame nap and get ready to roll. Uh, any any final words, Isaac, or, or, or parting takes or anything before we get out of here? I would just say watch Jordan Clarkson. You know, one of the last times that you know Dallas played them uh, outside the bubble early in the season, I think he had 25 off the bench. He killed it for them. Uh, he's great off the bench for Utah. He's one of the best six men in the league. And, uh, yeah, I think if they could, you know, try to contain him coming off the bench, try to put, I know it's a tall task for Jay Rich to say, Hey, first game back from being off, you know, two and a half weeks, however long, Hey, go guard, uh, Donovan Mitchell. He's having a great season, but they could try to do that. And Luca, I, I mean, I feel like we didn't even talk hardly, you know, about Luca, this podcast, which is a shocker, but the, just some of the stat lines and stuff that he's doing, you know, with these guys out over these past two or three weeks have just been, you know, insane to even think about and talk about and everything. But I think we'll have a, a classic Luca game. They'll probably put Royce O'Neal on him. I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. And see, see the KP go bear matchup. I'm excited for 
Can KP stretch him away from the basket and get that freedom offensively and get back going shooting the ball? Because KP, I'll say this, KP struggled a little bit, a little bit against Denver, and you know he's a super competitive guy. You know he wants to bounce back, and this could be a game to where you know we could. I'll predict it now. KP hits four threes in this game against Utah in the first quarter. <laughs> Well, the looks are going to be there because you know Gobert wants to protect the rim and you know Luka wants to get to the rim. And so, yeah. you know, the shots will be there for KP to have. So hopefully he comes out hot and, uh, and you know, who knows? Maybe they can steal one of these games. Heck, maybe they can win both of them, Isaac. We'll just have to see what happens. All right, I appreciate you joining me, man. You can find Isaac on Twitter at Isaac L. Harris. Uh, on the internet, I locked on Mavs. Also on the internet at Mavs.com. Uh, I'm Bobby Corella. You can find me on Twitter at Bobby Corella. And this is Mavs Daily. It's presented by the great folks at the Dallas Morning News. If you enjoyed the podcast, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. And we'll be back with you uh, sometime later this week. See you. See you.